2: Newt Gingrich was a history professor in Georgia in the 70s, and he got interested in politics and decided to run. And he ended up being a member of the House of Representatives, representing his state of Georgia, um, and worked his way up until he was the Speaker of the House. Then, after 40-plus years of Democrats controlling the House of Representatives, and some belief that demographically Democrats would control the House forever, Newt put together the contract with America and was able to lead a Republican revolution, he called it, in 1994, for Republicans to take the House back after 40-plus years. And uh, he did battle with Bill Clinton. If you were following politics at the time, it was a very, very exciting time to be alive. Um, Since then, he's continued as an historian to write a lot of books and stay active in politics, ran for president, and and, uh, did pretty well back there in 2012. But now he's out with a brand-new book called Trump and the American Future, Solving the Great Problems of Our Time. Newt Gingrich, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Appreciate the time this morning.
3: Well, listen, it's great to be with you and have a chance to chat. I'm very excited by the new book because I think as we go into this particular election, I think having an ability to have facts and figures and to be able to talk with your friends and neighbors can be very, very important.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's, it's more difficult than ever. So before we get into that, you're, you're an historian. You've been around a long time. You know, I found this kind of interesting. You've been around the entire time I've been following politics. You're still younger than Joe Biden, which is <laughs> which I find astounding. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it is. It's, it's an astounding fact. Um, but you're an historian. Where does the the, the current time we're living in rank? I mean, with the pandemic, with the economy, with the, the the racial tensions and everything like that, it seems to me it's about as crazy as anything we've had in our nation's history.
3: Well, I mean, certainly it would not be as bad as the Civil War, uh, but I think if, if you take that off the equation, uh, it's it's in the same league with with FDR going through the Depression and World War II. Uh, it's, it's the combination of uh, having a pandemic, which the Chinese lied about consistently and made it much worse, having uh, the public health people say close everything down so the government, for the first time, I don't ever remember ever before, governments deliberately creating a depression, which is what they did. And then for a people who are used to being very free, telling us all to shut up and stay at home and do exactly what your local official tells you. And then finally, with, with weeks and weeks of, 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 un, of unhappiness and tension building up, you had the, the tragedy of um, George Floyd getting killed and the way he got killed. And you have an eight-and-a-half-minute tape of people saying you're killing him, and then you watch him dying. And that led to, an, you know, that was a spark which I think will be seen as historic and which led to a lot of different activities, some of them totally legitimate and some of them are barbaric and totally illegitimate. So when you swirl all that together and, and you combine that with a very left-wing news media that just hates Trump, um, you really have an interesting, as a historian, you have a really interesting time. How do you
2: feel about this move of journalism? You saw what happened with the New York Times, the revolt they had in their you know, their editorial section there, um, and they pulled an op-ed from a sitting U.S. senator with a reasonable argument he was making. How, you, you mentioned the left-wing media. Um, that, that understates it. How, how does that fit in that we don't even have... We don't have any common news sources we can go to to even find out what the stories of the day
3: are. Right. Well, I think you have to start with the idea that these are not news media. These are propaganda systems for the left. They have no relationship to news media. Uh, And I think you really have to start from that perspective. And then I think you've got to decide that, um, you know, you're going to find ways to learn things on your own, but but you're going to expect them to always be anti-Trump. You know, so so Trump goes to West Point and gave what I thought was one of the better speeches of his presidency. Uh, The young cadets, I think paid really careful attention. I think it was a very positive day. And immediately uh, the media starts to focus on whether or not he walked down this long ramp too carefully. And was that a sign of age? Now, If you watch Donald Trump and you watch Joe Biden, the idea that the person you'd worry about being too old is Trump is crazy. I mean, Trump has the energy of a Uh, 30-year-old. And he made a very clear point. He said, look, there was no handrail. It was a slippery surface. And I was wearing leather shoes. And I knew if I fell that the fake media would go crazy. So, yeah, I walked down very carefully. And if you watch him when he gets to the bottom, he sort of trots off. And he's fine, but they they were looking for what is it we can use to clutter this speech because the speech is too good and if we let the American people see the speech, they might get a positive view of Trump.
2: We're talking with a former speaker we're, we're talking with former Speaker of the House and a historian and author of many many books Newt Gingrich ran for president himself um, the book is Trump and the American Future Solving the great problems of our time. you have Trump in the title, but it seems to me the problems of our time you know, are, are going to be there whether whether Trump is president or not? How, how, what do you lay out as the problems of our time?
3: Well, I think, first of all, you've got to get the economy growing again. No, nothing else works if we can't get the economy growing again. Uh, second, I think that you have to continue to to learn how to cope with uh, the virus, uh, partly by getting things, better, better uh, therapies, partly by getting uh, ultimately uh, some kind of vaccine, and by learning how to focus on hot spots and surround them and stop them before they, get, before they infect very many people. I think third, uh, we have to have a, a basic argument about uh, whether or not this country is going to function. I mean, you know, when you, when you look at how bad the schools are in some of our cities, in Baltimore, which is the fourth most expensive city in the country for education, there are entire buildings that do not have a single student passing the state exam. Not one. So they're clearly not schools in any traditional sense. And this is a crisis because it leaves these kids with no usable skills, no ability to survive. Uh, they, 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 no wonder they feel cheated and frustrated, et cetera. So, you know, I think um, that it's, just, it's amazing uh, that we, we have not been willing to come to grips with some of these things. You know, I think again, we need to come to grips with, with with better policing, but that's but I actually believe that probably means more police paid better, and with with, with stricter rules and probably with every one of them having a body camera. Uh, that requires changing the union contracts, which is the same problem you have with the big city school system. As long as long as you have union contracts which protect the incompetent, uh, you're going to have systems that decay.
2: You were Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, and um, it was a contentious time, and you and Bill Clinton and uh, the battles and that sort of thing. But man, it uh, it, it seems like everybody loved everybody to compared to today, when you you know the president will call Nancy Pelosi crazy, and she'll call him morbidly obese, and back and forth. Do you see us ever returning to anything even closer to uh, to to cooperation and bipartisanship anytime
3: soon? Well, when one side wins. I and mean, the reason it's so intense right now is that both sides see themselves almost winning and almost being annihilated. And that maximizes the pressure and maximizes uh, the emotions that are at stake. And so uh, until that gets solved, until one side clearly is dominant, uh, it's going to remain that, that intense and that bitter.
2: That is fascinating. I'm glad we had you on just for that question and answer right there. The book is Trump and the American Future, Solving the Great Problems of Our Time. Smart guy, lots of uh, perspective, and obviously experienced Newt Gingrich. Thanks for your time today.
3: Thank you. enjoyed it.
2: Uh, that was interesting. Honestly, that was worth the interview for that. And uh, it reminded me, I've heard George Will say that too. This will stay as as bitter as it is until one side wins, clearly wins. And, you know, it doesn't have to be 100% to nothing. It pro- probably just needs to get to somewhere like 60-40, maybe 70-30. But then you've got a clear, you know, leading um, uh, well, side that, that's that's leading the way. And the other side trying to uh, to group back together. But when it's this tight and every battle is so close, we're either going to win or be annihilated. That's how you end up with, a, you know, this this... Knife fight that we're in on every single issue every single day. That's really interesting.
1: Armstrong and Getty.
0: important information.